It's 30 seconds after the hour, 4 o'clock, Maine Currents time. And this is Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture. I'm Amy Brown. In February, February, we reported on a proposal to give a $60 million tax break to Bath Iron Works at the expense of Maine taxpayers. Those who support the measure say it protects jobs, but those who oppose it see it as corporate welfare for giant defense contractor General Dynamics, the company that owns BIW. Today, we'll follow up with some of the activists who are involved with the issue, including Bruce Gagnon, who was with us last month, as well as Bob Klotz and hopefully Mark Roman and Lisa Savage. We'll also be talking with Alex Nunez, an investigative reporter at NunezWeekly.com. He has exposed details about what's going on behind the scenes of this deal. And Lawrence Reichert is with us. He's covered the issue in his column, Bricks and Mortars, which runs in the Waldo County-based Republican Journal and the Coastal Journal in Bath. Later in the program, we're also going to be checking in with Jessica Stewart, one of the three women who were arrested at Senator Collins' office last December, where they were protesting her support of the tax bill. They're headed to federal court tomorrow. To start with, we have Lawrence Reichert here in the studio and Bruce Gagnon joining us by phone. Welcome back to Maine Currents, both of you. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> and uh, you'll uh, be able to hear whose voice is whose as we uh, move a little bit further on in the program. We're also going to be just kind of breaking when we do get calls in from uh, Lisa. And, oh, good, Lisa is on the phone with us now, so we'll go to her in just a second. I want to get an update quickly first, though, from Bruce on where things stand. You were last with us on February 13th. You had just started a hunger strike in opposition to this bill, which had not yet been voted out of the committee since that time. It has been voted out of the committee uh, uh, with an 8-2 to two vote in favor. Where do things stand today? I understand it could be voted on at any time, and you are still on hunger strike. Actually, today is my 37th day of the hunger strike. Uh, it's been going uh, well for me personally uh, up till last night. Last night I had a very terrible, uh, difficult night, and I decided today after some consultation with some of my medical people to end my hunger strike. So I'm going to do that this evening. Um, uh, uh, beyond I'm sure that, I'm not though, the only person that's actually relieved to hear that, Bruce. <laughs> um, yeah, I think a lot of people are. And there's been an, over 31 others who have been fasting throughout this whole time that I've been hunger striking. They've been joining for a day or more at a time. Uh, one guy from up in the Rangeley Plantation area, veteran, Vietnam veteran, he's been, I think he's on his 16th day now. Uh, he's planning to go about 20 days. So there's been a lot of support. Um, the, the committee did pass. Oh, Bruce, are you still there? Yeah. Okay, you cut out there for just a second. The committee did, you, we heard you up to the committee did. Yeah, vote against, the. Uh, excuse me, they did vote in favor of the bill, uh, 8 to 2, as you said, but they also reduced it 25% to $45 million over 15 years instead of 20. So that's a step in the right direction. And we're now pushing to uh, cut even more, you know, uh, if not uh, able to... Uh, uh, shut the whole bill down so we're heading in the right direction and we're urging everyone to keep their calls and emails going to the state legislators because we're hearing today we heard from several of them up there including one of the co-sponsors uh she she in fact told me personally that we need you all here 
and uh, others uh, told other of our people there today when we were 16 of us were standing in the halls of the legislature in between the House and Senate chambers that uh, one senator told uh, one of his constituents from Brunswick that he's had more communications on this than any other thing ever. Okay, we're going to go into more depth and uh, get to Lawrence in just a second, who's with us as well. But while we have her for just a couple of minutes, we have Lisa Savage on the line. Lisa's one of uh, nine people who were arrested last year at Bath Ironworks at a protest at one of the so-called christenings of one of the destroyers. She's been involved in this issue. And Lisa, I know you are on your way to an appointment, so I didn't want to keep you waiting. Can you just quickly tell us why you're involved in this issue, why it's important to you? Sure, Amy, thanks. Um, well, I'm a school teacher in um, central Maine and a very um, low-income area. And uh, right now it's budget time for school districts across Maine. My uh, school district that I live in and work in is struggling to come up with $700,000 in cuts just to um, maintain the same property tax levels, which are already pretty high in some of the towns of my district that are on waterfront because of a shortfall in the funding from the state of Maine. So to hear that um, the legislature would even consider giving General Dynamics Bath Ironworks Shipyard, which is hugely profitable, um, a tax giveaway while, you know, the children in my district are pretty, many of them are from families that are struggling to literally keep a roof over their heads, heat it, and buy food for their children and their families. So I can't imagine why Maine taxpayers would want to give corporate welfare to such a hugely profitable enterprise as General Dynamics Bath Ironworks. Um, shipyard. There are a lot of small businesses in Maine that struggle to make their tax payments to the state. And um, I know it's difficult for them to stay in business a lot of times. I can't really imagine that we can afford to spend $45 million to help out a very wealthy corporation. There are potholes in the roads. Uh, a lot of people are without health care. I just think we have a lot more pressing needs than making sure that General Dynamics can pay its CEO $21 million a year. All right. Th- so thanks that's why for ta- I'm involved. Thanks for taking a second to weigh in, Lisa. That's Lisa Savage, a teacher, weighing in on why she's been involved in this issue. Uh, uh, Lawrence Reichert, a columnist, as I mentioned earlier, whose uh, column Bricks and Mortars appears in the Republican Journal, which is uh, based out of Waldo County and also is now uh, in the, uh, what is the Coastal paper? Journal Coastal in Journal Bath. paper in Bath yes. as well. You've written on this issue uh, just a preliminary con comment about this and why it drew your attention? Well, before I get to that, I would like to ask Bruce a question, and that is, uh, Bruce, you mentioned that this that the new comprom- so-called compromise bill reduces the tax break by 25%, but as I understand it, that deal is for 15 years, not 20 years. Yes. So, so it doesn't actually amount to 25% reduction because then after 15 years, they could open up the question all over again. Um, so it, it, it's true that it's gone down from 60 million to 45 million, but it covers 15 years, not 20. Right. So, so that, in fact, in fact, um, makes the the reduction um, more. If people are, uh, I mean, less than 25 percent. We're going to have Alex joining us in just a minute. So, if you want to comment on your interest in this, real quickly. Uh, as well, Lawrence, you've been why? Why did this draw your attention for your column? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I I agree with Lisa that um, 
that health care and education in the state are being starved. And at the same time, we're going to give a 60, well, now $45 million tax break to a corporation which in 2016 made $3 billion in profit. Um, in addition to that, with the tax bill that's just passed in Washington, um, that amounts to um, a $420 million um, a- additional tax break for general dynamics. So what you have here is the denial of health care to Maine citizens and the denial of an education, um, which is also a violation of a previously passed referendum uh, that mandates certain levels of educational funding. And 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 to do this, they, they are going to, as I said in my column, fatten the general dynamics um, bottom line by one one thousandth. Right. And and you mentioned that the amount was roughly equivalent to what it would take to fund main care, the main care expansion. Well, it's not quite that simple, but it, let's put it this way. It, it would fund health care for thousands of Mainers. Alex uh, Nunez, do we have you with us now? Okay. All right, great. Joining us as well is Alex Nunez. He's an investigative reporter who has exposed details about what's going on behind the scenes of this deal, uh, including some email exchanges between Representative Jennifer DeChant of uh, Bath, who sponsored the legislation, and a lawyer for BIW, in which they discussed, among other things, how to deal with uh, Mr. Bruce Gagnon, who's on the other phone line, uh, and how to present this in the media, as well as sort of implying that maybe BIW had more of a role than one might expect in authoring the legislation. This week, uh, Alex is reporting on NunezWeekly.com about uh, the response he got when he requested records from communication between the Bath Police Department and BIW. Uh, Welcome to Maine Currents, Alex. Hi, yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So can you uh, tell listeners who may not have seen uh, your reports this week so far, initially there was a report on uh, the grounds on which they denied your request, and then there was a follow-up disclaimer from the from the police in Bath? Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, so I'll start just by giving a background of, of you know, why I submitted the request. Um, it was prompted by the ruling by Justice um, Daniel Billings, and that was when he acquitted Bruce and the other eight activists who were arrested and charged uh, last April for a protest at um, BIW. And Lisa that we just heard from, yeah. Yeah, so um, so in his ruling he had said that that BIW, um, that the, the Bath Police had been outsourced to BIW and that they were essentially taking the direction of the Bath Police were taking the direction of the co- from the company doing basically what they wanted, arrests were going to be made if the company wanted arrests made. And when I saw this, when I saw that story reported, um, and, and Bruce had notified me about it, I, I thought it was kind of a big deal. I was surprised that people had made a bigger deal of it, that this police department is doing, you know, basically what a private company wants to do rather than, um, you know, what it should be doing under the law to respect people's uh, First Amendment rights and all that. So, um... So uh, when I spoke to Logan Perkins, who had represented some of these um, defendants, she said that at trial it came out that there was a lot of pre-planning between the police and the security personnel. So I thought by uh, requesting the emails I could see some of that planning that was going on. 
so I submitted that request looking for planning um, related to the protest. And the police chief, Michael Field, he responded that, you know, the um, that he couldn't provide any document because um, it was exempted under this specific um, part of the freedom of uh, freedom of access law. And when I looked up that particular exemption, it said for planning um, and prevention of potential terrorist attacks. Um, so he just cited the, the number of the clause and you looked it up and found out that what he was citing was related to preventing terrorism? Yeah, he didn't use the word terrorism in his denial, but he used the actual, you know, um, section of the law. He wrote down specifically what it was. So then I went and looked it up. And it, it said it, was, it had to be something related to terrorism and that by releasing it, it could put um, the public or government personnel at harm by releasing it. So I, I wrote back to him. I said, are you saying that preparing for protest, you know, by peace activists, are you saying that that constitutes getting ready for, you know, pre- preparing for potential terrorist attacks? And he didn't respond. So then... Um, you know, I wrote up what I had based on what I sent in and what his, you know, denial said. And then, you know, that sort of was up for a day. And then I got an email back from him saying, I do not characterize, was his word, I do not characterize uh, protesters as terrorists. Um, so then I wrote back to him and I said, so, um, so then why, if, if you're not characterizing him as that, why can't information related to planning for those protests be released and he said I'm, I'm not releasing any further information so he's refusing to release information that you're entitled to under the law by citing a section of the law which he's now saying doesn't actually apply and now we're back to he's not going to tell you why he's not going to release it i suppose i mean i it's it's um it's difficult for me to wrap my head around because he's not being very uh, detailed and forthcoming in explaining why he's not letting me see them. You know, if he had, it, it's not really clear to me exactly what um, what his rationale is. Um, he, he just, I mean, these emails are like just a couple sentences at that, and and other emails I sent him, he had just ignored. So. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of my take on that. Well, you've had more luck with some of your past FOA requests, which included breaking the uh, behind-the-scenes communication, breaking the news about that, what was going on behind the scenes. And for listeners who may not have listened to our program in February when we talked about this with Bruce, can you fill people in? And then Lawrence and, and uh, Lawrence Riker, Bruce Gagnon, feel free to jump in here too. But uh, first, uh, Alex Nunez, if you could talk about what kind of communication was going on behind the scenes and getting this legislation introduced to begin with and to dealing with trying to keep Bruce and the other activists uh, either out of the picture or controlled? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I I think it was in, um, in late December. I, I'm down in Rhode Island, and I had done reporting on General Dynamics, um, a subsidiary they have down here that builds nuclear submarines. And uh, some of that work got up to people in Maine, and people in Maine had contacted me and contacted the Province Journal that I was doing um, some of the reporting for freelance. Well, yeah, and if that, you would, just mention the yeah. buybacks, because that's the key. 
Yeah, so I, I wrote uh, the initial story on the buybacks by General Dynamics for the Providence Journal, and a lot of people in Maine saw that and uh, had had um, been in touch with the journal and been in touch with me through other activists who I had interviewed in my reporting down in Rhode Island. Just to be clear, um, the buybacks little, you're referring to, for listeners who may not be aware of the fact that they're, yeah. uh, they have enough money to be buying back their own stock, correct? Yeah, I mean, they have... Uh, it, if billions, I could, yeah, if I could, over billion, like three billion in one year, I saw. I think in like 2014. And another interesting point is in '97, when they got the initial deal, I, I don't have the spreadsheet up in front of me, but it was something like 30 million in buyback. <laughs> okay. And then when they, when General Dynamics bought the IW in 1995, they did zero dollars in buyback. So. Oh. Okay, yeah, I didn't mean to get too sidetracked down that issue, but I just wanted to make sure that people knew what you were talking about when you said the buybacks. Sure, issue. sure. So after that, I, I heard about this story up in, in Maine, and I started looking into it. And um, I, I guess just reading some of the news stories that I saw in the Bangor Daily News and elsewhere, um, I, I just got kind of a, I had a funny feeling that Jennifer DeChant was kind of a, uh, kind of a furtive person just to her quotes just seemed kind of uh not very forthcoming there was one where i think it was the bangor daily news she was she was talking about the bill she was going to propose but she wouldn't say bath ironworks by name it just seemed odd to me um and uh and then i think i had been in touch with bruce and he had told me a little bit about the whole story so i thought there might be something interesting there um between her communications and the company itself. Um, so so I filed a, a Freedom of Access Act request, which, um, just for your listeners, now anyone can do it. Um, you know, you don't have to be a journalist. Everyone has the right to do it. I can do it as an out-of-state person. Um, and I just simply asked her for uh, communications, uh, emails between her email address um, her legislative, her legislature email address and her private email address, um, and any email address ending in, I think it was BIW.com or generaldynamics.com. Um, and it took them a little while, but then I got them back, I think like a month, a little over a month later, and, and then went through them. And, and it, you know, pretty clearly showed that she was, she was, leaning heavily on the company to give her these talking points and when she saw bruce's articles start coming out letters to the editor and stuff like that she got really nervous and started writing to john fitzgerald the general counsel at the iw and you know one thing that was interesting is she was saying what are my talking points what are my talking points john and uh, i remember thinking reading through it the first time i'm thinking well if you're the one proposing this bill don't you know what the talking points are don't you know why you're proposing it um and then you know there are pretty clear indications there i mean no one ever says in the email you know uh you know biw you're in charge of writing this legislation on your own behalf but there's a lot in there that basically implies that they've drafted it on their own um john fitzgerald says to her at one point um you know you come by for lunch tomorrow i'll have the draft ready for you then there's another one later on where a consultant for BIW is saying, uh, you know, Jennifer, we can drop off this, uh, we can drop off this uh, draft at the state house if you want us to. You don't have to do it, but if you do, tell them to contact us if they need anything. 
stuff like that. Lawrence, you've been wanting to add something. Yeah, I'd like to get back for just a moment to the question of buybacks. Um, for listeners who might not know, what what is being referred to here is when corporations have extra money lying around, um, they often use it to buy back their own stock, which pumps up the price of their stock. Um, and, and many of the executives and CEOs are paid a part of their compensation package is stock. So when they're the stock of the corporation goes up, it is to the benefit uh, not only of the shareholders, but to the executives and and the CEOs. And um, I have some specific figures here in terms of General Dynamics, which owns Bath Ironworks, as, as we said. And that is um, that between 2013 and 2016, General Dynamics bought back $9.4 billion um, uh, of its own stock. So what in in my opinion what what is going to happen with the now 45 million dollars that main taxpayers are going to shower on on general dynamics is that that money is essentially going to go into further um stock buybacks it is not going to go to the workers of bath ironworks as i stated in my column um the the four there's just begun a four-year contract with BIW workers that in, that has no pay increases and, in fact, uh, calls for greater employee share of health care costs. So that is not where this money is going. Um, it, it, it is going to go to the millionaires and billionaires who own General Dynamics stock and are its executives and its CEO. Right, and the CEO who makes over $20 uh, million a year and, 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 that and probably does former- yeah, yeah. Could I jump in with one one kind of uh, piece of context too? The the current CEO, Phoebe, it, this Phoebe is Alex Nunes. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is Alex. Yep. Um, she became CEO in 2013, and if you look at the history of the buybacks, they accelerate under her. Right. And she replaced um, she replaced the CEO. I forgot his name, but he basically kind of struggled as CEO, and then the company wasn't doing too great under him for a couple of years. And then, you know, she became CEO, and she's she's known for having, you know, kind of turned things around and increased profits and earn, increased earnings per share. And, you know, you can you could pretty much throw out that a lot of this is coming from the buybacks that she's accelerated. Bruce, so if I could, uh, yeah, uh, Bruce, I want to get you back in here. I, I want you to specifically uh, comment on whatever you were going to say, but also you're out there uh, at Shift Change talking to the employees at Bath Ironworks, although this CEO is making tons of money. She's former CIA. Her husband's former CIA and has also been a military lobbyist. Uh, they are, you know, this is huge money and huge power, but this is this tax cuts being pushed as being something that's necessary to keep workers in Maine employed and pitting them up against uh, the other shipyard in Mississippi to see the race to the who will take the least or who will give them the most. What, what do workers think about this when you're talking to them? Well, I, I spoke to a lot of workers in the first two weeks of my hunger strike. I went down at noon and then at 3.30 during shift change. Um, and uh, the last two weeks, I haven't gone uh, as much because I haven't had the energy. But during that first two weeks, I heard the very things that Lawrence just remarked about. Their last contract, four years without pay increase, givebacks in health care and pension plans. And they're really angry about it. And so when it comes to giving them this money, they think it's ridiculous. And in fact, the union 
just had a general membership meeting where 100 people turned out. This is They have four unions at BIW, but the biggest one is called S6. It's the machinist union, and uh, it represents 3,500 of the 5,500 workers there, so it's the biggest one. They had a meeting, 100 people turned out. They took a vote, and it was 50-50. They decided not to endorse the bill, which is huge, because all the politicians, especially the Democrats in the legislature, are saying they have to do this because it's what the workers want. And the workers basically decided to go against this for two reasons. One is because of the last contract, and secondly, because of the buyback story. And they learned about this not only from from Alex's story in the Providence Journal, which we made sure they got a hold of, but also because of the Bollard, this wonderful publication down in Portland, a monthly, that ran a front cover story in February called Ship of Fools. And uh, uh, when I went in on my first day of the hunger strike, when I was going to BIW, I went into the union hall and I just handed them my flyer and I said, I just wanted you to know I'm going to be out there every day and it's not against you and it's about you know the general dynamics profits and one of them lifts up the bollard story holds it up in the air as if to say i understand uh, you know and so uh, what i later heard was that one of the workers was sharing that all over the yard with people and it created this tremendous uh, counter reaction uh, to to essentially get to the point where they wouldn't support the bill I want to make one other quick comment. We learned during the public hearing from a former tax accountant who worked for BIW in the 90s. He spoke uh, in the public hearing, and he said that the uh, Navy contract that General Dynamics signs with uh, four bath ironworks, you know, to build warships, that Navy contract reimburses General Dynamics for all taxes they pay to the state of Maine. That's, that's, that's unbelievable. So all the taxes at General Dynamics, all, after all their various tax cuts, and they have like three different pies they, they get money from in the state of Maine. But even after uh, that, uh, when they do pay taxes on something, they get it reimbursed from the federal taxpayers. So they're double-dipping and triple-dipping right now. Alex, we've got to wrap up with you here in the next couple of minutes and get another caller on the line. So I wanted to give you a chance to add any uh, last sure, thoughts yeah. that you have and also uh, remind people where they can find your work. Yeah, sure. Um, so with the um, with, with regards to um, just these, these sort of these tax deals more broadly, um, I've, I've done a lot of reporting on general dynamics, but also these, these tax incentives and these tax giveaways more broadly, which, you know, happen in every state. And I think one important thing for people to remember is that um, a lot of times these are really just slaps in the face to the communities and the states where these companies are, you know, because they're saying, you know, we, we appreciate the community. We love it. You know, we love this community. We want to stay here. We want to keep employing people here. Well, if that's all true, then why do you want to take money away from that tax base? And, you know, if you they say that they want it for potentially um, worker training. Well, if you want this highly qualified, trained workforce, um, why not leave the taxes to the tax base and then your public school can train people on how to do whatever? Um, so when you, when you look at a lot of these tax deals closely, um there's a lot of uh, kind of inconsistency to the logic that they apply to why they why they need them so much. 
Um, in, in terms of yeah, my work, um, I have a, uh, a website uh, that's my name weekly. I, I pronounce it Noons. Uh, different oh, people pronounce it that. different ways, but that's yeah, okay. So it's Noons, N-U-N-E-S, weekly.com. Um, I also have a, a Twitter feed, Alex L. Noons. L is my middle initial. And I um, I also have freelance articles that appear in a lot of um, different uh, publications down here in Rhode Island, but I'm not sure if that would be of particular interest to your um, listeners. Well, send me links, and I'll put them up with the links to the archives of today's show. And if people go back and look at our February 13th show, there's also a, sure. a link there to some of the previous reporting. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Alex, yeah, thank Alex you. Nunes. <laughs> And uh, dot com. And if you're just joining us, you're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. My name's Amy Brown. I'm your host. I am joined today in the studio by Lawrence Reichert, a local columnist who's been reporting on this BIW tax break slash corporate welfare issue. And uh, depending on how you look at it and which side of the issue you're on. And also by phone, we have Bruce Gagnon with us, who is just announcing that he's finally ending a hunger strike that he's been on for more than a month he, that he told us about when he was here last in February on Maine Currents. Uh, he's also been doing a lot of lobbying at the State House and going and talking with workers at Bath Ironworks. Uh, John Greenman is our engineer today, and he's uh, moved, doing all the uh, hard uh, pushing of buttons and keeping everything juggling in the other room. So we appreciate that as well. And he has now with us on the phone uh, our next guest who's joining the conversation, Bob Klotz. Um, Bob, you were one of the, also one of the nine protesters. Uh, or no, you weren't one of the protesters. I'm sorry. You were, you've been involved in this issue. You were not one of the ages nine. But uh, I have read on uh, Bruce's uh, blog, which listeners at space for peace up dot blogspot.com that you've been uh traveling to these protests sometimes all the way from south portland to bath on your bike and i know you in the past we've uh spoken with you or recorded you speaking talking about climate change issues is that your tie-in to this is that how you got involved in this is the climate change related issues associated with biw and the possible conversion or what what is your uh reason for getting involved in this issue well, thanks uh, for the opportunity to chat. Uh, great to hear the conversation. Um, uh, there's multiple intersections for me. The, the climate connection is definitely uh, prominent. I've worked with 350 Maine in particular and other groups along the way, and I've had the pleasure of working with Bruce and others uh, around the uh, yearly uh, Peace Walk, and I definitely see clearly the intersection between uh, the military and carbon and pollution, et cetera. And, you know, we oftentimes, far too often, can say no to certain things, which, you know, we should be saying no to, but then it's also the yes and the solution uh, consideration of pivoting, as, as has been said many times, from uh, swords to plowshares uh, is, is really what, what is possible here, I think, with BIW, as Bruce and others have, have pointed out many times. Um, but for me, really, beyond that, uh, this is that bigger intersection of, uh, you know, if, if you're supportive of Occupy principles, if you're opposed to Citizens United, if you're opposed to this nonsensical alleged tax reform at the end of the year, this is our opportunity as citizens of Maine to do something about all of that. And uh, it's a little frustrating that the rooms and the hallways and the state house aren't full with 
those of us align that way uh, to push back on this. But uh, fortunately, many, many really brave, courageous people, including Bruce and Lisa Savage and many others are, are really stepping up to this. And, I, and I'm really humbled and grateful to be able to uh, to stand with with uh, people who are who are pushing back on this. All right. Well, you're in the mix now with Bruce Gagnon on the other phone line and Lawrence Reichert here in the studio. And Lawrence uh, uh, wanted to get back to something that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, well, I'd like to get back to a couple of things. One is something that um, that Bruce mentioned, and that is the double and triple dipping that's going on here on the part of General Dynamics, and in, in in terms of uh, what I would call evading their rightful uh, tax bill, and that is. The city of Bath, um, that specifically has not been mentioned yet. They've also been getting tax breaks from the city of Bath. And the figures that I have seen is that over the course of the last 20 years, between the state of Maine and the city of Bath, they have accumulated a total of $200 million in tax breaks. Um, between the, the, the city and the state. The other thing I'd like to get back to is this whole notion of jobs. I mean, this is this is what the state is hauling out, dusting off in terms of justifying this, um, the, the the boogeyman of jobs. I mean, not, not to belittle the importance of jobs. Obviously, they're extremely important. What But what's going on here is, is, is a, a, a sucker's play. Um, the BIW jobs are not going anywhere. Um, it's a $500 million shipyard. Um, General Dynamics is not going to walk away from a $500 million shipyard. Their General Dynamics profit rate, um, I think it's 2016 figures, are 15%. That is a wonderful profit rate. No company is going to walk away from that. Um, no one's going to kick over that apple cart. Um, and the, the only other shipyards in Mississippi, which right. is prone to hurricane damage, which is something that Mark, point Mark Roman, who didn't get through to us, but that's a point he has made in the press. Absolutely. And there are a couple more points on that. And one is that the federal... the. F- the federal government is is BIW's only customer, and the federal government likes to have production of warships dispersed um, because that makes it less vulnerable to enemy attack. The the shipyard in Ingalls, Missis, or the Ingalls shipyard in Mississippi is also vulnerable to uh, Gulf Coast hurricanes, and that's another reason that they like um, the the production dispersed. Another reason that General Dynamics will not walk away, and this is alluded to earlier, is that the the workforce in BI, at BIW is very highly trained and very highly skilled, and that is not easily assembled. If you close down Bath and move someplace else, um, it's going to take you a while to reassemble that level of workforce. And one more one more point, and that is, and and I actually got this from uh, from Bruce and directly off uh, Bruce from your uh, YouTube video in your discussion with um, Southern Maine University of Southern Maine Professor Emeritus Orlando. How do you pronounce his last name? Um, Delogue. Delogue. Okay, uh, he said that that Ingalls Shipyard in Mississippi is running the same extortion scam that BIW runs here in Maine. And that is, if you don't give us tax breaks down here in Mississippi, we're going to fold up and all those jobs are going to go to Maine. So, you know, this is this is a sucker's game going on on both ends there. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Bruce Gagnon, Bob Klotz, either one of you uh, want to comment on what you're hearing in terms of levels of 
concern among the workers that their jobs might actually go away. You mentioned earlier, Bruce, and I don't know, Bob, if you were listening then, that it sounds like at least some of the workers are passing around some of the articles that have been written about the, you know, the actual financial health and the fact that General Dynamics certainly doesn't need the money from the main taxpayers. They they are financially quite well off, but part of this bill is that it holds staffing levels at a certain level and only allows, I think, a thousand layoffs. Otherwise, the tax breaks go away. Is that something that people support because of that? Well, they put that in there because of the pressure of this campaign. Uh, we, that is one of the successes of this campaign. In the past, they had no monitoring. They had no checking. Uh, did they really create jobs? In fact, uh, uh, Lawrence mentioned that they've received $200 million over uh, well, since 1997. Uh, BIW used a lot of that money to mechanize and modernize, which led to massive layoffs. Uh, several thousand workers were laid off because they were no longer needed. So um, th- th- they, the committee, uh, while they did support this bill, uh, e- even though they reduced the, the amount from 60 to $45 million, they did put in a whole bunch of uh, kind of reporting and checking back and, and holding them to certain numbers. So that was a positive thing. But again, the money is just not needed. It's not necessary. I'd like to tell this quick story that in 2013, I live in Bath, uh, General Dynamics came to the city of Bath wanting about $7 million more in tax breaks. And I worked with a small group, about six other people, and we went door-to-door in the community. And as a result of that, the outrage of the citizens of Bath, who know Bath Ironworks and General Dynamics better than most, uh, the citizens demanded uh, that this be cut or uh, done away with, and the a reluctant city council uh, voted to cut the, the general dynamics request in half, down to about $3 million. So uh, I, I've been telling everybody that, you know, if Bath can cut a request from general dynamics and Bath Ironworks, then so can the state of Maine. Is anybody surprised to, that, to see the level of support among Democrats for this bill? In fact, it being introduced by a Democrat, I, I'd like I'd like to address that. Uh, I mean, I've, this I've, is Lawrence Record. Yes, um, I've spoken with. Um, well, actually, not spoken with. Uh, to be perfectly clear here, I have exchanged emails with um, Representative Ryan Tipping Spitz of Orono regarding this. And He's one of the committee members. Yes, and he supports he supports the the bill in its new form in its compromised form um, of of giving only uh, forty five million dollars in in tax breaks to General Dynamics, and um, he, you know he he says, well, this is this is a compromise, and um, he he said also that that this makes General Dynamics. Um, ineligible for another smaller tax break, which, um, you know, struck me as kind of funny that you you give General Dynamics a larger tax break and then make them ineligible for a smaller, some other smaller tax break, and that that this is regarded as some sort of a compromise. So so what, what Tipping Spitz here, a Democrat, is is defending here is giving away half the candy store instead instead of the whole candy store. Bob Klotz, Bruce Gagnon, either of you want to weigh in on that? Go ahead, Bob. Yeah. Um, well, again, I am so grateful that we're having this conversation. I am uh, also just 
stunned that we need to be having this conversation. And then I'm also disappointed that people that you would anticipate would be part of this conversation seem to be resisting it. And so for this bill to have been co-sponsored by the leadership of both the Republicans and the Democrats, to have uh, Democrats uh, resistant, you know, to really have drank the jobs, 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 Kool-Aid here and not be willing to uh, hear or accept or, or not what they're, you know, to dismiss the facts as they've been shared on this on this uh, program and that are very available it's just stunning to me and when i have gone to people and groups that i have considered historically to be fairly liberal and progressive it's like this is nuclear to them they they just they out of out of one side of their mouth they're talking about corporate welfare issues in the state except for this one and i think that that it really is a hot topic for people to take on. And it's it's really, uh, I, I came home one night and talked to a political friend and then also Bruce and said, I think I've had the last vestige of innocence and naivete kicked out of me <laughs> by sitting in the taxation committee and just hearing this dismissal of honesty and truth uh, in lieu of, uh, just propping up this incredibly profitable company, and and so follow the money is is what we're looking at here, uh, and the and the Democrats seem to be doing it just as much or even more than the Republicans. Bruce, did you want to weigh in on that? Yeah, you know, I I had a call one evening from a, a state representative up your way, Ralph Chapman, who left the Democrat Party largely because of this kind of follow the leader mentality in it, and. Uh, he called me to talk to me about what's really going on. And he, what he really told me was that the, what he, he kept saying, the lobby, the lobby, the corporate lobby in Augusta get doles money out to leadership, uh, the leadership of both parties, who then use that money to control their committee chairs, and the committee chairs are, re- are required to uh, do the bidding then of the corporate interest who put that money up to start with. He said that's really how things work in Augusta. And so it's no coincidence then that we've heard repeatedly from people on the Democrats on the taxation committee who voted ended up voting for the bill, uh, Ryan Tipping, the co-chair of the taxation committee from Orono, and from uh, others, including sponsors of the bill, uh, Eloise Vitelli from uh, near my community in Bath, all saying that it's a bad bill, but that we got to support it because basically leadership's telling us we have to, and because the Democrats are supporting it. Well, this is utterly ridiculous because why in God's name do you run for election and you uh, tell people, vote for me, I'm going to go up there and clean up Augusta? And then you get up there and you see a bill that you say is bad, and then you say, I have to vote for it. Mm-hmm. even though I know it's bad because I'm told to by leadership. I mean, were these people elected to be lemmings? And so I'm telling you, I, I think people need to be rattling the cages of all of these state senators and representatives, uh, no matter whether they're Republicans or Democrats. And I will say there are a few really courageous Republicans and Democrats 
I spoke to one. Bruce, let let me interrupt you there for just a second, because we're going to have to wrap up with Bob to free up a a phone line here. So I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm going to give Bob a second to uh, say anything, any parting words before we let him go and remind listeners that you're listening to Maine Currents on WERU-FM. And this is Bob Klotz, who we we are about to uh, say goodbye to as we open up a phone line. And uh, that was Bruce Gagnon, who was just speaking I am also joined here in the studio by Lawrence Reichert. I'm Amy Brown. And uh, Bob, any any final thoughts before we let you go to free up the phone line for our next caller? Amy, thank you. I, I really appreciate the opportunity because I was chopping at the bit to say I, I know that there's a lot we can complain about and despair here, but I, I, I cannot emphasize enough. I have been involved in numerous campaigns, numerous professional efforts through the years, lots of rooms full of people and opinions and egos and flip charts and markers. This campaign in opposition to this bill is one of the most impressive things I've ever observed or been involved with. It is free of ego. It is honest. It is genuine. It is authentic. And it's effective. And and it's just amazing how people can commit to taking action in this way and working together in a really powerfully organic fashion. And it takes it literally does take everyone and and bruce and lisa and others have made room for that um that all of us can and should step up and there's lots of things we can do uh, and as bruce has emphasized over and over contacting the legislators is critical but really acknowledging each other uh we've accomplished a tremendous amount already there's more to be done but it's uh it's one of those things that we should emulate uh, moving forward with all kinds of different campaigns because it's, it's been a powerful and positive experience and actually fun, uh, which is kind of odd. But so th- right. thanks for the opportunity to share that. Thanks for joining us today, Bob Klotz. And Bruce, uh, you were about to give some accolades to someone. I don't want to interrupt that, but also um, moving into what people can do, hearing from both you and Lawrence on that. Before we shift gears, we're going to be hearing from another caller soon. So, Bruce, picking up where you left off, Lawrence is chomping at the bit here, too. <laughs> We don't know exactly when this bill is going to be voted on, but I think it's going to be within the next two weeks. That's my best guess. And so there's still time to make significant uh, progress. What I was going to say was that I spoke to a Republican for the third time today when I was standing in the hallway between the House and Senate chambers in Augusta. Uh, we've been going every Tuesday and Thursday from 9.30 to noon. We invite people to come and join us. Today we had... 16 people there. It'd be wonderful to have 30 or 50 or 100 with signs saying why you oppose this bill. It's having an impact on these politicians, I promise you that. But one of these Republicans told me for the third time today that he's voting against it. So there are some good Republicans and some good Democrats and some good independents, and there's Ralph Chapman the Green, and uh, there's a base there for us to, to start to try to chip away on this thing, but we need help from the people. And our whole agenda has always been about being clear about who we're defending on this bill. We're defending the 43,000 children living in poverty in Maine. We're defending the tens of thousands of people without health care. So, and we're defending those that are having their cars destroyed, driving on uh, potholed roads in Maine. So if, you're, if you have those same concerns, and those same uh, care about those same issues, please help us make this happen. It can be done, and we can do it, but we really need people in the second district to come strong on it now. So you really think this this is not a done deal then? I don't think so. 
Lawrence Reichard. Yeah, I've got contact information for folks who want to contact the legislature. Um, you can leave a message for any House or Senate member at 423-2900. And I'll repeat that again later. Um, and one one can also go to the legislature's website and find contact information for one's particular senator and representative. And that's legislature dot main dot gov slash house or slash senate and if if you forget that just go to main dot gov click on government then click on legislature and and it will be there um also like i also like to get back to it's something uh, we're, Bob quick, said, we're wrapping up now so uh, if is something quickly you want yeah to add I, I just think um uh, taking off a little bit on what bob said earlier i mean i was shocked when i talked when i emailed with ryan ryan was a tipping of orno he was a supporter of occupy bangor he worked for the main piece people's alliance a very progressive organization and my point is one should not assume that one's representative is okay on this that oh yeah they're progressive. They'll be fine on this. Not necessarily. All right. We have Jessica Stewart on the line. She's up next on deck. But uh, Bruce Gagnon, as we say goodbye to you, your final thoughts and also where people can follow you online. Yeah, my blog uh, is called Organizing Notes, N-O-T-E-S, Organizing Notes. If you just Google that with my name, that's the easiest way to find it. I'm daily uh, reporting on this whole campaign uh, so if you want to follow along what we're doing, uh, you can. And thank you again so much for uh, for this airtime, and uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today. That's Bruce Gagnon. Uh, we heard earlier from Alex Nunes that I was pronouncing incorrectly. Again, my apologies for that. N-U-N-E-S-Weekly.com if you'd like to follow him. Uh, Lawrence Reichert is staying here with us in the studio as we move on. We also heard from Lisa Savage earlier and from Bob Klotz. They are all working on the uh, proposed tax break for BIW, which many see as a a form of corporate welfare for General Dynamics, the company that owns Bath Ironworks. Shifting gears now, we have Jessica Stewart joining us by phone. Jessica is a Catholic worker activist. She has deep ties to the BIW, uh, resistance to BIW and the warships that they build there going back, going way back. But today she's joining us to talk about something else. We'll let her weigh in on this if she wants to, uh, but also she is going to court tomorrow. She's going to going to be in federal court with a couple of other women who were arrested in December at a protest at Senator Collins' office regarding the tax bill. Welcome to Maine Currents, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Amy. So do Um, you you want to say a few words about Bath Ironworks before you shift into what uh, you're going to court for tomorrow? Um, Not not at the moment. I'd rather just go on. Okay. All right. So you were arrested along with two other people. Uh, Tell us that story of what happened back in December, why you were protesting, and uh, what the court date tomorrow is about. So as the uh, tax bill, you know, the Tax and Jobs Act was approaching a vote, there was a very broad campaign to attempt to convince Senator Collins and other uh, senators and representatives to vote against it because it uh, is a bill that was and now will be pretty catastrophic for Mainers and for people around the country. So we had uh, called, and many people, and me among them, had called and visited um, Senator Collins' office on many occasions. And, in fact, one of my uh, people who's on trial with me next week Sharon Dean had um, gone, had flown to Washington, D.C. and met with Senator Collins the week before. 
And at that uh, meeting, Senator Collins had promised that she was going to not let the uh, tax bill pass without safeguarding uh, health without safeguarding health care. Um, but then, as we know, the bill was going ahead without these protections. You know, Collins was just saying she was going to trust McConnell and the other people on these on these issues. So the three of us on December 18th went to um, Senator Collins's office in Bangor, along with quite a larger number of people who were sort of cycling into her office to express our uh, opposition to the tax bill. And um, as we were in the office, Senator Collins came on television to announce that she was going to vote for the tax bill and she was going to vote for it sort of without, she had with out conditions. She had no way to guarantee that the uh, that the health care would be protected or any of the other provisions she had wanted to have guaranteed. So um, Sharon Dean uh, of Machias and Ridgely Fuller of Belfast and I um, decided to stay in the office until we could speak to Senator Collins or until she agreed that she wasn't going to vote for the bill as it was. Um, and ultimately, uh, Carol Woodcock, her Senator Collins' staff person there, called uh, the Federal Protective Service, and they came and arrested us. And we were ultimately released and summoned back to trial tomorrow. So we'll uh, go on trial for that. But our main, we really want to put the tax bill on trial. We see this as an opportunity to keep holding Senator Collins and Representative Poliquin accountable to the people of Maine. So you'll be um, at federal court in Bangor? Is it open to yes. the public? It'll be public at 10 a.m. in federal court, and that's in the Margaret Chase Smith federal building, actually in the same building as Collins's office. I think there. Lawrence wants to ask you a question. No. Yes. Oh, okay. He leaned up to the microphone. I thought he was getting ready to ask you something. So uh, it's 10 o'clock. It's a federal building uh, on Harlow Street. Uh, people, if they are going to attend that, I, I'm sure you are going to need to get there early to go through metal detectors. Uh, do you have any um, sense of how long it will take? Will it be all day? Um, I think it'll probably be most of the day. I'm not sure what time the court adjourns, but I think maybe they adjourn by 2.30 or 3 in the afternoon. So um, certainly it'll probably go between 10 and 3 o'clock. And you're inviting supporters to come? Yes, we'd love supporters to come and uh, help hold Collins accountable. Um, We also have a sign-on statement on Action Network, which I think I sent you the link to, but I'm not sure how to share it with your audience. uh, listeners, but it, that invites people to support our trial, to support us in our action, but also invite other people to uh, participate in their own way in holding Collins and Poliquin accountable, either through their own act of civil disobedience or through meeting with her or through um, uh, supporting uh, opponents of, pol- you know, supporting a candidate to oppose Poliquin. Anyway, yeah. are you being charged with trespass? We're being charged with uh, failing to obey a lawful order. And, you know, the thing is, we feel like we were really obeying our constitutional obligations when we were there. And, in fact, Collins and Poliquin and the other people who voted for that tax bill were completely failing to be accountable to their constituents. You know, the bill, that tax bill was wildly unpopular. I think two, at least two-thirds of Americans opposed that, opposed the bill, you know, on both sides, on across the aisle, Republicans, Democrats. And um, in a way, they were sort of failing to follow the principles of the rule of law, which requires that we um, 
you know, in a society, we we have to look out for the common good. We have to think about how every how uh, bills that we pass are going to affect everyone in the society. And it really, in reality, that tax bill was a theft from the just a outright theft of from the uh, by the rich from the poor. Um, it would overwhelmingly benefit people in the top one percent. It would. Um, destroy pathways to upward mobility it would uh it's catastrophic for the health care you know our current health care uh health insurance system so jessica is there a place online where people can get more information or follow your uh your progress with us yes if they go to mainers i uh i don't have the web address right now but here but if you go to mainers for accountable leadership um which has a twitter and a facebook and they also have a website uh, you can get a lot more information about the larger campaign to hold Collinson Poliquin accountable and about our, our uh, trial specifically. All right. Thanks for joining us today. And again, that's uh, Jessica Stewart, and they will be going to federal court in Bangor tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. And that is all we have time for today on Main Currents. Uh, you've been listening to Main Currents, independent local news, views, and culture. I'm Amy Brown. Uh, engineer today was John Greenman. I'd like to thank all of our guests who are with us today. Uh, Lawrence Reichert, thanks for being here in the studio with me again. It's a pleasure as always. And uh, also Bruce Gagnon, who joined us by phone, Alex Noons, uh, Lisa Savage, Bob Klotz, and then just now Jessica Stewart. A lot of guests today. Thank yeah, you all for joining us. And you pronounced them right. I pronounced that one right that time. I did. Uh, and uh, you can catch us here every Tuesday at 4 o'clock for independent local news, views, and culture only here on your community radio station, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Stay tuned for Democracy Now! coming up next. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Merrill's Bookshop, 134 Water Street in downtown Hollowell, selling fine used and rare books since 1991, usually open Tuesday through Saturday, hours always available at 623 20